super excited to have her because I love her dearly. She's so vivacious and awesome. She is a Broadway star turned to television and film star now. You know her from Wicked, Ruthless, Hairspray, Legally Blonde, Sweet Charity, so many roles in television like Anger Management, Good Behavior, Fuller House, Screen Queens, Angie Tribeca, Heart of Dixie, How I Met Your Mother. I mean, the list goes on and on. Please Welcome the vivacious, adorable, wonderful Laura Bell Bundy. Hello. Hi. Hi. I'm so happy you're here. I'm happy. To I mean, we were actually you. talking before we even turned this microphone <laughs> on because we have so much fun together. We do. <laughs> yes, we do. Like first 15 minutes of every class is us chatting. Um, but then I take you off the clock. <laughs> okay. Anyway, I want to get down to it. People are going to listen today because they want to hear about you, your story, and I really do want to talk about your start on on you know and in on Broadway and then the transition to television was it an easy jump was it a rough jump because I've worked with other people in the past that it has been a difficult jump and then we'll tell some stories about how we actually met on a pilot uh, but tell us tell us how you started well it's kind of a funny story um, I got started in the business very young um, I my mother entered me into a pageant when I was five, oh, and it was called the Miss uh, Hemisphere Pageant, and my was the Pee Wee Division, so Miss <laughs> Pee Wee Hemisphere, a local pageant in Kentucky, and I won it. Then I had to go to the state level, like a few months later, so I went to um, uh, the Miss the Kentucky State <laughs> Miss Pee Wee Hemisphere, and then I won that, and I had to go to this national competition, and I. I ended up winning that. I competed with all the other five-year-olds from all the other states in the country. And I... Um, so your self-esteem was already off the charts. Yeah. It win, was like, win, win. I just thought I was a winner. I peaked, I peaked at five. I peaked at five. It's all gone down from there. Um, so I win this thing. We get this opportunity a couple months later to go on the... Uh, to get a free trip to go to New York, to go on Phil Donahue's show. It's going to be amazing. Let's go to Kmart and get some new clothes. That's hilarious. And so... Um, we go and, you know, we're staying at the Sheridan Hotel. I'm having New York cheesecake. And, and you're five, a foot six, long. seven. I'm, I'm, I think I'm six at this point. Okay. No, I'm actually five. I'm okay. still five. Okay. And, uh, it, it was March of 1986. You guys do the math. Um, <laughs> but, uh, so we, we went and it ended up being an expose on children's pageants mm. and even though I went there and I got a new dress and I walked the runway and it was this great exciting thing we got this free trip to go to New York being like a kid from Lexington Kentucky um it was like child psychologists there and people in the audience like going like I can't believe you're doing this to your daughter <laughs> she looks like a puppet blah 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 and I was but you're first, not aware of that you weren't I, aware I was of aware it. something was wrong oh. like I just knew like Oh, this is the first time I've ever felt embarrassed about doing this. Um, I all, you know, I was like the kid, and I kept winning, and it was great for me. Um, and I kind of did look like John Bonet a little bit, like you know. Yes, I always say like I'm a gay man trapped in the body of John Bonet, <laughs> but <laughs> not to laugh over that <laughs> tragic death. Oh my God, we're so bad. Um, Go ahead. Yes, it. I feel like it's long. It's past long enough for me to make that yes, comment. Yes, exactly. But um. 
but yeah, but that actually really was my experience of a little like pageant girl. Um, and my mom, you know, was kind of a kind of a rough uh, experience being on that show. My mom was like, "Well, we're gonna make the best of it. We're gonna go." She just she marched my butt over to Ford Modeling Agency, and she's like, "I sent her picture in. I know we don't have an appointment, but we're only here for two more days, and it's the last time you're going to get to see her if you don't see her now." And they saw you. And this, you know, this guy at the front desk was like, there's a crazy lady at the front desk. Like, should I let her up here? And the kid's pretty cute. Okay, you can go up fifth floor. So we walk up all these steps. The most steps I'd ever walked in my life, like, no elevator. Because, of course, a Ford modeling agency, they have to make the girls walk up the stairs because they have to be stick skinny. But not the five-year-olds. Burn the calories. Yes. Um, so we get up there. They end up signing me to a contract. And they... And my mom's like, well, we can't leave Kentucky. She's in school. My husband's got a business, blah, blah, blah. So we become, I become a summer kid. Okay. And I go to New York starting when I was six. It just in the summers with mm -hmm. these other kids that go mm -hmm. to New York to be summer kids and do modeling. And then like modeling turned into commercials. And then while I was in New York, it was like, well, we should go to Broadway Dance Center and you should dance. And we Did should you know you could sing at this point? I had always been in, um... Yes, I did. My my grandfather was a singer. My mm. aunt was a singer, self-taught mm. pianist. Mm. Um, that my it kind of skipped my mom. My mom is like Southern Mama Rose. Um, it kind of skipped her, yeah. you know. Yeah. But she could she uh, she was always great at identifying talent. Mm -hmm. She always has been, even in other people. Let's so go into so when your... we so when I went to New York in the summers, I would go to classes. Uh, at Broadway Dance Center and I would get private lessons and then my mom would put me in to uh, with a singing teacher named Jean McLaughlin who had mm. like all the kids that were in Les Mis at the time. Mm. And I saw my first Broadway shows mm. like going up there and what I... What was your first Broadway show? Do my, you remember? It was Starlight Express <laughs> <laughs> um, at the Palace Theater which is where Legally Blonde ended up being. Oh, so It was special. my first theater. And then I, but the next night I went to Cats and then, you know, and then I recent, and then I went to see Les Mis and then I would, we kept going back to all of them because you I felt, just loved it. Yes. So when I was nine years old, there was an opportunity for me to audition for the Christmas Spectacular at Radio City Music Hall. Mm. And they didn't, they only wanted to see 12 year olds. And so they wouldn't see me. No agent would send me in. And at a time in New York, mm. I was freelancing. Mm. Do you know what that is? Mm -hmm. Like where you had like a beeper and like your agents would call you for an appointment and whichever agent called you first, you got they it. got the yeah. one, they got yeah. it. Yeah. Um, no one would send me out. And then my mom finally convinced an agent to send me in, even though I was three years younger than what they wanted. And I ended up getting the part. And that, uh, doing Radio City Music Hall was the first like professional musical theater thing I ever did in New Transformational York. Transformational experience. Yes, and the musical director of that show um, was writing a brand new musical based on The Bad Seed, which eventually became Ruthless. And so I began doing all the readings and workshops and development of that show. Then I started in that show from the time of 10 to 11 years old. Um, I it, I was nominated for awards. It was a comedy about a little girl who killed another little girl for a part in the show. It was a very dark comedy. They spoon-fed me comedic timing. Right, right. It was like me learning that art. That Which was the first wonderful. time. Incredible. So I was very young. Um, Britney Spears was my understudy. And then... And then Natalie Portman was my understudy after Britney left. That um, is crazy. Which is hilarious. Um, both both actually were quite So you lovely. just were in. You were just in. You had that beginning training. 
you were used to being on stage. That was your love. You saw Starlight Express. You, that was you fell in love with it, and then right. you started. Then you got ruthless, and then you just began. I began, yeah. I mean, it was it wasn't always like one thing flowed into the other, but if I look back at it, one thing always did lead to another, even if there were years in between mm-hmm. without working. Right. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like, but very few people <clears throat> ra- rise to where you've gotten on Broadway. There's only a handful of people that get to have the extreme of success that you have had on Broadway. So what do you think is that magic little thing? Is it the self-confidence? Is that the ballsiness? Is it that you wanted it more than anybody else? Is your voice more trained? What is it? Well, I, 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 I don't consider myself the best singer on Broadway. Um, I think it's pretty spectacular. Well, I, I, there are singers that are better than me. Mm. I feel like I, I have gotten to a place where I interpret the songs really well mm. in a very realistic and emotional way that is a, like, uh, there's no difference in the conversation I'm having with you now mm-hmm. and if I added music to it. Mm-hmm. It should not feel as if it's too heightened. Mm. But that's where I've gotten now. I think as a young person, what I had going for me was fearlessness. Yes. And I do think that 50% of acting is getting over your fear. Yeah. Um, and then the other 50% is doing the work and understanding your material and creating all the stuff that we create when we're together. Do you and- think that it was different for you when you were, because you're talking about singing and you're telling a deeper story? Because a lot of actors on Broadway heighten it maybe too much. Do you think that's the difference between you because it was core from your soul, a deeper place? No, I think that was learned. I think as a child, I was a mimic. I, I was, that's kind of how I learned to sing. I would just mimic what I heard and I would mimic accents and I would mimic, I mean, I was, I was like all the little accents I've done in this podcast yes. already. I was we'll doing that one. at nine years old oh, and I was wow. like, I'm getting good to go, but not, you know, I was like, whatever <laughs> it was, like anything I heard, I was, you, you did know, it, you I have, did it. And yeah. now I can't do any of those impersonations because they're not politically correct. <laughs> but uh, was it, uh, in the nineties, I was doing right, them all. Right, right. Uh, okay, so let's I talk met, about, okay. So let me just tell you how I reconnected, how I connected with you in the first place was we're gonna tell a little story about this pilot you were on when I first started coaching in 2006 called Dirtbags. And I remember on this pilot, and we'll transition back to the Broadway and transition into her television, but I wanna sidetrack with this story. So I was hired as the coach on set. And I remember this so clearly that every actor that was on this particular show kept getting fired. And they kept getting fired because they, they became so nervous about getting fired They created not being prepared and getting fired. And I was there on set and I would say to these actors, if you're nervous, come to the trailer. This is what I'm here for, let me help you. And they would go into panic mode and then this one particular girl got let go and they flew you in. And the minute you got in, you sat with me, you were dedicated with me, you wanted wanted to do so well. And I was like, this girl is a superstar. And that was transformational for me as a coach. Maybe really? you don't even know that until this moment. No. But it really deeply affected me. I was like, this girl has got it. She is it. She is determined. She is 100% over everybody else because of your dedication. Well, I I know I, mean, I was obviously afraid of getting fired too. Yes, but you didn't. Oh. 
you, you turned fear into success because all these other people were feared of getting fired and they got fired because they didn't do the work. Well, I'm a perfectionist in, yes. in a lot of ways. Like I want to make it right. I want, you know, I, I was called there when everybody else had seven days, I had four. Yes. So knowing, and also like, I'm going to take any opportunity that anybody's going to say, Hey, do you want to go That's over your lines? And do you want to like make this better? I like, I was incredible. I love, I, uh, admittedly am a rehearsal whore. <laughs> I love rehearsal because I've known, I know about myself that the more I do something, the more I do a scene, the more I deeply understand the scene. Of and course. I wouldn't have maybe known this if I didn't know that after doing eight shows a week, show after show after show after show, that I can still discover something in my 350th performance. Mm -hmm. But that is how I work. So yes. the more I do it, Yes. It's not like, there's a freshness, obviously, in the first couple of times you do something, mm -hmm. especially the first time. It does lose some of that freshness, and you have to figure out how mm -hmm. to reconnect in the in the same fresh way over and mm -hmm. over again. But there's also something so amazing about do you know learning a scene, putting it down for a couple of hours, coming back to it, and rediscovering something new. Right, because and, your body becomes more open, you're a vessel. Yes, and when you get material, especially lines I find, for me, the best, uh, for I figured out how I work, I need to memorize those line, lines days before I present them in any kind of way, whether it be on stage or at an audition. So I don't enjoy when I get material right then and there. Mm -hmm. I can do a cold read and that's fine. But if I'm really going to go into a character mm -hmm. and show somebody what I do in an mm -hmm. audition, you need to give me that material a couple of days in advance. So I'm not thinking about the lines. Yes. I'm thinking as the character. Because this is why I brought up this story. So I met you on Dirtbags. A couple years later, we didn't speak. I didn't see you again. The show, unfortunately, didn't get picked up. And it was so freaking funny. There were a lot of well-known people in that cast. And then I was with my family, and I'm seeing some Broadway shows. And I can't, we came around this corner, and there was this huge line of hundreds of people waiting at a stage door. And I was like, what is going on? And I look up, and it says, Legally Blonde, starring Laura Balbundi. And I went, oh my God, it's Laura Balbundi. I can't believe it. So you know what I did? I said to my family, stay right here. I went in front of everybody in the line and I knocked on the stage door and the stage manager came up and I said, tell Laura Balbundy that Sherry Shaw is here and I really want to see her. I, I didn't edit myself. Who the hell goes to the front door when there's hundreds of people waiting to go in? Except I did because I wasn't editing. I was just so excited for you. And the guy came right back up and you said, I'm so happy, have her come to the show tomorrow night, and then we saw you after the show, and that's how we reconnected. And it's been so special ever since. And seeing you in that show was mind-blowing. But of course, all the things that we've worked on together has been mind-blowing, but you guys don't understand that Laura Bell delves into it emotionally, physically, environmentally, soulfully. And it's very exciting for me as a coach to work with a, an actress like you. Well, it's also really a benefit to work with you because you, you I, I feel like with it's a very collaborative process when mm -hmm. we work together mm -hmm. and it feels like I'm being directed mm -hmm. and I like and it, and I like that feeling. Like mm -hmm. I like I don't know, I think maybe because you work with uh, child actors and I started as a child that you do that your technique it really appeals to it just works with how I've always worked. Mm -hmm. Um 
So it's fun. It's fun to create backstories for characters. It's fun to to also um, try. You know, let's try it this way, or let's try it that way, or what's funnier. Um, yeah, the it's, exploration. It's the exploration and investigation that I enjoy so much. Like, but wait, let's talk about the Legally Blonde for a second. Okay. So I saw you in the show. How many performances did you do of that show? Almost 600. 600. Well, it was like five, well, five, four, five fifty or five something. So I did a year and a half of the show. Um, and then there was like a six week period when the tour was happening mm -hmm. where the girl who was playing um, L broke her toe, which is oh. so in such interesting karma because when I did Honeymooners, I broke my toe. Oh. Uh, anything that anybody so else bizarre. has had happen to them and I've jumped in has happened to me. Like Kristen Chenoweth got the shits during Wicked and I had to jump in for her. And then I end up getting the shits in Legally Blonde, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's all about the shits. It's karma. <laughs> um, but, uh, so you did so many performances. And this is what I want to say, though, because as actors, if you are theatrically trained, musically trained, you know, doing theater and having that commitment of doing eight shows a week and expending all that energy. I am such a big believer about being in the most mental and physically healthy shape that you can possibly be in to sustain that capacity of, uh, you know, expression and the energy that you put out every single night without exhausting yourself. I think... It's incredible. Well, I did exhaust myself. Um, I didn't exhaust myself to the point I couldn't go on anymore. Right. But I think there was something really satisfying. Like, when you're done with the show, it's like, oh, that was a great workout. Yeah. You know, like, it's I went through workout. every emotion. I busted my body up. I yeah. mean, I just, you know, I, I deserve to eat this chicken wings. Do you know? And french fries. Right, yes, chicken wings, french fries, whatever the hell I ate, you know, which was always just, at that time, I, I was losing so much weight. You were. It was like I saw you. you running so on a much. treadmill at, uh, you know, for three hours and, you know, sometimes six hours a day on a two-show day. And, um, and, and, you know, there wasn't there, you, you can't really do it, a show like that on a full stomach. So I was eating like a rabbit, and then mm -hmm. the show would come down, and I'd have like a dozen chicken wings, and you know, the I was gluten intolerant, so I would just eat like the cheese off Ray's pizza. <laughs> it's so nasty, but That's hilarious. Um, but yeah, well, anyway, then, then I, you were then you eat like that after the show is over, and you're like, whoop, no, no. <laughs> There's that ten well, pounds I lost. Oh my god, you're always so thin. Stop. Um, um, okay, so all these incredible shows up for Tony's, all this incredible stuff has happened. How did you make the transition and what kind of advice would you speak to theater trained actors or Broadway actors, how to make that transition into television and film? I love to play. Mm -hmm. And I have always loved to, I loved to play as a child and I played because I was a mimic and I would dress up and I would put on, you know, pretend to be other people and I, I was very imaginative and I love to play. I love to play music. I love to do plays. And so I think that my commitment to work and the reason maybe I went in that room with you is because I love to play. Yeah. This is my job mm -hmm. and what I'm hired to do, but it's also like my opportunity to play. And an audition is an opportunity to play. And like that commitment for me is because I enjoy what I do. Mm -hmm. Do you know? Mm -hmm. Okay, so getting back to yes. um, the transition. Um, there was, um, when I was 18, I actually did a soap opera. I did mm. Guiding Light. Mm. And 
up into that point, you know, I had done a few movies uh, as a teenager and I had done a pilot as a teenager that was TV. It didn't get picked up. Um, but majority of my experience was uh, theater and doing the soap opera was a total education for me. I was 18. I did, I had like, you know, 20 to 30 pages of material mm -hmm. a day. My very first day um, in the script, my character was Mara. Uh, Mara breaks down. <laughs> now, I was not emotionally available. Mm. I had to like, how do I cry? Mm. Like, I mean, I was like, I ain't got no Vicks Vapor rub to throw in my <laughs> eyes right now. I don't know how this is going to work. She makes and me laugh. <laughs> I got so nervous about not being able to cry that it made me cry. Wonderful. Um, and then I, I started to have realizations about my process doing that show because it was way more emotional than I was used to doing. It was drama. Mm -hmm. And the woman that played my mom, uh, her name is Kim Zimmer, and she played the character of Reva. I was her daughter, Mara. Um, she'd won like four Emmys. Mm. This woman was, I just watched her be so emotionally available. And I think you can get in a habit when you're acting drama that everything is just the same and there's no mm. movement in your mistake, face and it's mistake. totally unrealistic right. but you are playing it so small and so down because it's safe mm -hmm. and I would see her like she was a real person there you was, learned from her I learned from her and there was this couch and we would sit on this couch um uh and it was like this uh, hallway and the studios were next to it and then our dressing rooms were next to it and so most of the time people would go out and sit on sit on the, the couch and they would run their lines for the scenes they have coming up but mm. sometimes they'd sit on the couch and have conversations about other things mm -hmm. whenever I went out there and she was on the couch I never knew whether she was reading lines or having a conversation oh. and I said that's it that is exactly what I need to learn how to do mm. I need to figure out how it appears as if I'm just alive mm -hmm. and I'm not acting. Mm -hmm. So that was that was something I learned from 18 to 20. Then I went right into doing musical theater. Mm -hmm. So then it kind of went shifted to the other place. Mm. What balanced me back was getting a medium form which, which was multicam. Mm. So here's like something that's kind of grounded, right. but it's still heightened and requires the rhythmic comedy I've been doing in musical theater mm -hmm. and a little bit of the slapstick and but, but was it easy to transition was it were you labeled on Broadway or because you had a successful career it was an easy transition I found that that multicam was an easier transition for me I did pretty well but a lot of the notes that I would get were bring it down bring it down and um, you know sometimes when you get the audience there you just think you're doing musical theater again and so I also think I just have big energy. So I have to play big characters. I can't play characters that have low energy because I don't fit that energy footprint. Yes, but it's so interesting you say about bringing it down because vocally you're trained as a theatrical theater actress to resonate to the back. Yes. So when you're told, and I feel, I was an actress many years ago and I know because I started in theater, that when you're told to bring it in, you feel like you've lost the connection until you really practice bringing it to the heart to the heart to the heart to the heart and then from the core then it comes back up yeah so I would think and it makes sense to me that the transition from theater to stage multicam 
is a slight transition. Yes. Which helps train you for the next transition. Yes. And what was also easier for me was just straight drama. Mm. Because then it was just right back to soap opera land. What was hard is figuring out, and is still hard for me, what is the tone of this? Mm-hmm. You know, anytime you get a script, it's like, what's the tone? Is this The Office? Mm-hmm. Is this Seinfeld? Yeah. Is this, you know, uh, I don't know, what else is kind of, is this Flight of the Concords? <laughs> is this, what is this? Right. Because every, every writer writes a different tone and trying to figure out and navigate what that tone is I find can be fairly difficult. And my first instinct, I think, is to give you the bigger choices. Yes, but that's okay. Because I would think that giving the bigger choices, they can always bring it down. That's my philosophy too. <laughs> yeah, take the, take the risks. Take the risks for and, sure. You have to honor your playfulness. You have to honor who you are. Yeah, I think, I, actually, I've had many times where I went and I, I in the moment already having prepared the material, but not having had the idea, in the moment got a crazy idea in an audition and I just did it. Great. I got uh, to the, uh, that would be like a audition or a producer session or something. Then I would get offered to test for it, be like a pilot. And then they would tell me to do it. And you know, or you get the part. And you feel so alone. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you get the part after making these crazy choices. So yeah. you come to set thinking they want these crazy choices and they like, oh, we just like that you were creative. Can you do it this way instead? <laughs> and take everything out that you've yeah. creatively created. <laughs> okay, well, wait. So I want to go back to, because we keep sidetracking, which I'm really great at. But So you went from Broadway, then you went to the soap opera, then you went to sitcoms. Was it a... Was I, it, went, I went, I went uh, musical theater, soap opera, Broadway. Theater. Yeah. And kind Multicam. of back. Mm-hmm. And then, but was it harder to parlay yourself? What was the transition with, with your agents or your managers? Was it, because sometimes people come here from New York and they have a huge resume of theater, but that turnover is very difficult to get them into television and, and um, film. Did you have any of that? I actually felt the opposite. Ah. I felt like every time I did a brand new show that would open, I would have a rejuvenation in my TV career. Oh, interesting. Um, because there, there are fans of theater in LA, mm-hmm. and there are people who go to Broadway every season. They come, they will go to the upfronts. I agree, and I they agree. will see everything. And Peter Roth saw every show I was in. He brought his daughter backstage. I uh, would. I had this amazing casting director who was such an advocate. The, the Bonnie Finnegan and Meg Simon in New mm. York. And actually, a lot of the casting directors in New York would advocate for me. That's wonderful. And I I was very, very lucky. Mm. And they would work with me. And they would Incredible. tell me, you need to make this smaller. Right. You, you know, try this before they would send the tape. Right. But the thing about your work, and let me just say, even if you go large, because you're so connected to who you are, that that's why they liked you. Because it was a connection, even was they even was large... But we understood that there was a core viewpoint and a story to be told in your work. Because I know your work. I love your work. <laughs> um, I don't know. Yeah, but maybe. that's wonderful that you have that those advocates out I there. I don't know. They were and the shout outs. I nice. think too. It's like these casting directors. They go. They have these New York actors, and they go. Well, I want. I want one of my actors to book this show. So they really do kind of put in the work for you. So once I had gotten a pilot 
for Warner Brothers through Meg Simon's office in New mm-hmm. York, I always felt like I had friendliness from them here. Mm-hmm. And um, when I was doing Legally Blonde, I actually had a deal with them. Mm. And uh, of course, the writer strike happened. Um, <clears throat> but I don't know. I so it's I, been not. It's been an easy. It hasn't been an easy transition in in terms of figuring out what the tone of things are and figuring out how to ground things and also keep them funny. So, Mm -hmm. oh, you know, I had all the fear of like, if this is grounded, it's not funny. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I had great theater directors who were also telling me at the same time in my theater work, um, if it's not truthful, it's not funny. The truth wins out. Every single time. Yeah. So I think, you know, I got very lucky in having directors Mm -hmm. in theater Mm -hmm. telling me that, Mm -hmm. that helped me just know in general Mm -hmm. that truthful is funny Mm -hmm. Um, and grounded can still be funny. But it, I mean, it's kind of an ongoing process for me. It, you know it is. Yes, like I come in sure. and I go, okay, I'm off the, I'm off the, I'm chewing the scenery. Or <laughs> of course, I'm, I love or that. I'm, or I'm afraid to chew the scenery. Yes. I'm afraid to do anything, and I'm so not doing anything. So, what would you anything. say to actors? Don't be afraid. Chew the scenery first, and let them bring you down later. Don't you agree? You can work outside in or inside out. Mm-hmm. You can have a vision for what you think a character is, and it's wild, and you just go for it fearlessly. And you can also kind of do the other thing, which is, you know. Who is this character? Why are they feeling this? What, you know, make it as truthful as possible and see if the, you know, the funny comes out. What's some advice you'd give to some actors out there about staying positive, rising above all the negativity, riding that wave? Yeah, I think as an actor, we've never arrived. Mm. We have never arrived. Every experience we have in life is informing our work because we're learning about who we are and we're learning how who the world is and we're observing human behavior. So the more we throw ourselves into that understanding how life works, the more we understand characters we have to play mm-hmm. on an intimate level. Mm-hmm. And I think when you notice that you have to be confident and be fearless in your choices and yes. you walk into the room when you audition and this is your opportunity to do the thing you love to do and express yourself in this fashion and that's all it is and you're going to do it and it's going to be fun and you're going to leave and never think about it again Mm -hmm. if you notice that you keep getting the same note Mm -hmm. that's information Mm -hmm. that's not a critical that's great information Mm -hmm. i've had my feelings so hurt when people were like it was too broadway Mm -hmm. and that hurt my feelings but there's something to learn from that. Mm, agreed. So what am I doing and why am I doing it in these situations that is causing this same result? Let me look into that. Mm. Don't be pissed off. You got a note. Mm-hmm. Look into the note. It's a mindset. Yeah. It's how you adjust it. Yeah. And what else? One other thing. The biggest thing that I have learned is that I have not arrived. Mm. I feel like I've accomplished a lot. Um, as an actor but I'm not the best actor I can be yet and that's why I'm a, still a student you're an incredible actress but I totally 100% understand that as you grow and travel and have life's experience your work gets deeper and richer and more vivacious yes yeah so you know like always so, so what's I, next what's next for Laura Bell what well, do you want to what's do crazy. what's your what's your thing what's your thing she, you guys don't know this she does a million gazillion characters um, Just give us five right now. No, I'm kidding. 
What? Well, <laughs> she'll do it. <laughs> what I'm working on right now is um, I had a really solid like 30 years of acting, and now I'm like to transition to behind the camera. Um, I've been doing like a little bit of a tr a transition that is just happening, mm. and not like I'm. It's just happening, mm. and um, which is which is I'm writing things and selling things and asked to direct things and, um, and it seems like a very natural transition. And I've been afraid of it for a really long time. Um, I've done a little things here and a little things there on my own, and now I'm being asked to take a bigger responsibility and direct other people That's very or exciting. or um, uh, offer the things that. Um, the other creative side so that's where I feel like I'm going I I had a, a lot of I, I, I was very fortunate in that many of the Broadway shows I did I did from the very beginning mm. and I was a part of the creative process mm. of those shows coming to life so mm -hmm. I saw what it takes to um, put a show together mm -hmm. to, to rewrite songs when they don't fit the story mm -hmm. to cut lines to uh, create characters and I saw every other actor creating those characters and I saw all those writers collaborating with them and I saw the, how the I, I worked with actors like Christian Borle who are so deep a part of the creative process they're almost like directors themselves mm -hmm. in the process of rehearsal mm -hmm. um, and I learned from those experiences and I think that it's made me look at the material difference made me play better mm. it's so I I'm, I really enjoy that. When I hit a set now, I my favorite part is like, let's figure out, like, yeah. what, is it cool if I do this? Or what if I take this? Or what if I walk over to this? This When he comes in, if I'm lying down like this, and then he, that's who I am on set now. And I wasn't Those always- behavioral life of the character is everything. It. I know, it's everything. I love you. Thank you so much for coming. I think you're just such a beautiful person. Oh, you're a beautiful person. Oh, thank you. I'm and sorry I, like, I was late. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> we say be courteously aggressive. Get out there, actors. Do your thing. Writers, producers, everything. Get out there and do it. Thank you for coming, Lana. You're welcome. I adore you. Bye. Hey.